Thank you for taking the time to listen to the sermon from Hope Church Toronto North. It is our prayer that through this, you are challenged by the Word of God, you are built up in love, and that you are drawn more to the person and work of Jesus Christ. We want to remind you, this is never meant to substitute God's good plan for you to be present in a local church under the care of qualified elders. If you do live in the North Toronto area and are looking for a local church, we invite you to join us at one of our Sunday morning gatherings. Our desire is that God would use this to encourage you with the hope we have in Jesus. Guys, you can open your Bible to Proverbs 31. This is the final message in our timeless uh, series where we've gone through the book of Proverbs. And today's message is called Timeless Advice from a Mother to a Son. Timeless Advice from a Mother to a Son. And I, I grew up with a lot of uh, godly, good women who set good examples uh, for me, women I could look to and look up to. There was my grandma who left Jamaica all on her own and came to Canada and and worked hard so that she could uh, uh, sponsor all of her children one by one so that they could come to Canada, eventually sponsoring my mom who then sponsored me and my sister so that we could come and have a life here. Then there is my mother who I just, I mentioned, who, who was a single mother raising four kids on her own, working so so hard, putting herself through teacher's college and, and always making sure that even though we didn't have much, we weren't wanting of things. She just worked hard and she's not a perfect lady in any way, but, uh, in, uh, but she's, she's a good God, a good woman who, who has, has been a grace even now to, uh, to our boys and just love her a lot. And then there's my older sister, my older sister who made life hard for me. And she made life hard for me because she was smart and responsible and I was not. But just she filled so many of the gaps because my mom had to be out and, and working and she even helped to make it, make it so that we could have a, a place to live, just giving her time and she's just such a responsible human being, still is now even as I watch her with her family. And, and she was the valedictorian, she was on student council. I was none of those things. And, but, but she just set a good example of hard work and really not wasting any opportunities that are put in front of you. And then there's my, my basketball coach, Mrs. O'Connor LaHoo. And this lady, she just saw a troubled kid in high school who just kind of couldn't get himself right. And she just, she invested in me. She built into me. This lady, she used to meet me at school at 6 a.m. to help me shoot free throws because I was bad at them. And she would just come and we'd talk and she'd just, she'd teach me, here's how to shoot. Here's how to make it so that you almost will never miss a free throw. She just put time and energy into me and I, I haven't talked to her in a very long time but I'm very grateful for her and just her teaching me the importance of discipline and not giving up and working hard. I had many women who set good example examples for me and we have many women like that in the Bible who set good examples for us. There's Ruth and her example of loyalty and and really hard work as she went out and, and, and worked and, and went to the field and made sure that uh, there was something for them to, 
to, to have. And then there's Deborah who steps in when other people around her just weren't stepping up and gives leadership. There's Mary, the mother of Jesus, who, who says to God, I am your servant. Whatever your plan is for me, I am good with that plan. Let's go forward with it. There's the mother and grandma of Timothy who, who disciple Timothy, who lead him to Christ, who tell him about the Savior, and he comes to faith. There's, there's Phoebe who worked alongside Paul in missions and making sure that the gospel was spread and, and doing her part to see people come to Christ. There's Rahab and her, her faith. There's the Hebrew midwives who stand up against an oppressive government and rescue the lives of children. And in our text today, we learn about another woman, another woman who gives us a godly example to follow. She gives us a godly example to follow. And we learn about this woman by looking in and listening on this advice that this mother gives to her son. But before we go through it, then we should pray. Father, we, we ask for you to help us, Lord, to give us eyes uh, that are are open and aware that your word is true, that it's living and active, that it works in us as we come under it. Lord, give us ears that are, are wanting to hear what you have to say. And I pray that you give us hearts that are wanting to do what you're calling us to do from your scriptures. We thank you, Lord God, that your word is perfect, that it's inerrant, that it speaks in all the ways we need at all times and every moment. I pray our hearts would be filled with hope right now as we are about to receive from it. Speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Look at uh, chapter 31, verse 1. It says, The words of King Lemuel, an oracle that his mother taught him. It says, What are you doing, my son? What are you doing, a son of my womb? What are you doing, son of my vow? She says, My son. Multiple times she says, My son, my son. What you get from verse 1 to 2 is that this mother cares about her child. She cares, she doesn't care that he's the king. She cares more about how he lives and she wants him to live a good life and she wants him to live a good life because she realizes that two reputations are on the line. Two reputations are on the line. There's her reputation and there's his reputation and so she cares about how her son behaves and because of that, she speaks. She does not care about his role. She does not care about where he is and who respects him and thinks he's influential. She's like, I've got some things to say to you. And so she speaks into his life. That is a good mother. See, living well, what it does is that it reflects well on our parents. When we live well, when we have good parents who have built into us, who have discipled us, who have trained us, who have taught us, who have shared their wisdom with us, when we turn around and we live well, it honors them. It shows that their labor over us was not in vain. All the advice that this woman gives her son is, is driven by the fact that she cares about how he lives. And so she gives him advice about women. It says, do not give your strength to women, your ways to those who destroy kings. See, in that time, a king, because they were so powerful, they could use their power to accumulate lots of wives. And when you read scripture, you see that, that there's multiple wives, there's concubines, all these things. And she looks at her son and she says, son, don't be like that. She says, live with integrity, be, be a good man. And this is such a good word to those who are married and those who want to be married. 
those who are married and those who are even getting married soon or looking to be married in the future, this word here from this mother to a son reminds us that we are to be men of integrity, that when we are with someone, when we're married to someone, we're dating someone, they need to understand that they have nothing to worry about because we're not looking anywhere else, that we are, that we are committed to being a one-woman man. And the, uh, the, the scriptures, what it does is that when we look at it closely, anytime, anytime we look in scripture and we see a man accumulating multiple wives doing the opposite of what God has said, their life becomes a mess. Sin comes, becomes rampant. That's what happens and things fall apart very quickly. And so she gives him advice about women and she gives advice about drinking. Verse 4 says, It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine or for rulers to take strong drink, lest they drink and forget what has been decreed and pervert the rights of all the afflicted. Too much drinking will affect his decision making. And she's, she says that, lest you, you drink and then forget the things that you're supposed to do. Too much drinking affects decision making. See, the Bible doesn't say we cannot drink. What it says is that we are not to get drunk. Drunkenness has life-altering, can have life-altering consequences for us and for others. And so she speaks to her son about drinking, and then she speaks to him about justice. She says, open your mouth for the mute. This is verse 8. Open your mouth for the mute and for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth Judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. She says, you are to use your position for good. Not, don't just sh- sort of sit back and not do anything. She says, open your voice for the mute. That word mute, uh, the, the word actually speaks of someone who is not, does not have a voice in the arena of decision making. They don't have a voice in the arena of the decision makers. And she says, you must speak up for these people. Verse 8 says, open your mouth for the mute, for the rights of all who are destitute, those who are weak, those who are struggling. And the church can do this very same thing. We can speak up and speak for those whose voice have been, been silenced, quieted. We can speak up even if our culture doesn't Agree. See, we are to stand up for justice while we wait for the one who is completely just, the one who is right, to come and work perfect justice. Isaiah 9 promises that Jesus will do this. Isaiah 9 says, For a child will be born for us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulder. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom and over his kingdom to establish and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now and forever. There is a time coming where Jesus will return. And when he returns, the scriptures promise us that he is going to work perfect justice. And so, yes, we need to, we are going to have to live with some injustices now. There's some things that are just never going to get right, never going to get solved. But when Jesus comes, when he returns, he will work perfect justice forever. Righteousness will be established. She also tells him what kind of woman to look for. She tells him how to treat women, how to, how to navigate 
married life. She talks to him about drinking. She talks to him about justice. And then she says, son, this is the kind of woman to look for. And the woman she describes is where we learn lots of good things. There's lots of practical application for us when we look at this godly woman. Here's the first thing we learn about the godly woman. We learn she's trustworthy. Verse 11 says, the heart of her husband trust in her and he will have no lack of gain. Her husband is confident in her. It says his heart trust in her. And, and from the text, you see that his, his confidence is not misplaced. It's rewarded his trust. It says he will have no lack of gain. Because of this woman, because of the trust that he has in her, he is going to benefit. That word gain in the Hebrew is actually salal. And it can be translated plundered. Tremper Longman says this, the idea of the verse seems to suggest that the woman is a warrior in the battle of life. She is a warrior in the battle of life. And life is a battle. Life is not easy. It's a struggle because we live in a world that is broken by sin. It says that she is a, this woman is a battle, a warrior in the battle of life. She fights on behalf of her family and comes back with the victor's spoil, that plunder. She, she gets it, which allows her family to thrive. It allows her family to th- thrive. See, see, her presence makes, uh, makes the life of her family members better. That's why verse 28 says, her children rise up and call her blessed. Her husband also, he praises her, her presence, because she is in their life, their life is better. See, people will trust us and their trust for us will grow and deepen if they realize that our presence doesn't make their life worse. It makes their life better, that we are people they can depend on, that, they are, that we are people who help them in, in, in ways that make it so that they thrive physically and spiritually. And this woman, she does that. The godly woman's trustworthy. She's also, also thoughtful. Verse 15 says, says, she rises while it's yet night and provides food for her household and portions for her maidens. She is up before dawn. She's up early. And she's up early because she's considering the needs of other people. She is being thoughtful. Her diligence and her thoughtfulness is why she can provide for her household. She gets up early. Now, getting up early is not easy for me. Those of you who know me real well, you know I am not a morning person. My boys sometimes won't even come near me. They're just like, mom, is dad all right? I don't talk. It just takes me a long time for me to wake up. But I also know that I struggle in the mornings when I don't get to bed on time. See, one of the things that helps us to get up is this discipline of getting to bed on time. And so we need to turn off Prime Video. We need to turn off Disney Plus, Netflix. We need to say, you know, I've watched four episodes. I don't need to watch another four. I can just let that go. And with working from home, we need to be disciplined and, and, and diligent to get work done so it doesn't drift into the evening. We need to manage ourselves well so that we can get to bed because sleep blesses us. Sleep blesses us. Bill Bryson says this in his book, The Body. He says, sleep is the most mysterious thing we do. We know that it's vital. There isn't any part of the body that does not benefit from sleep or suffer from its absence. Sleep has been 
tied to a great many biological processes, consolidating memories, resetting hormonal balance, emptying the brain of accumulated neurotoxins, resetting, resetting the immune system. It would seem to be, in short, a kind of nightly tune-up for the body. The, a nightly tune-up. Sleep is just, it's almost like it's fixing us. It's getting us ready for the next day. And we can be thoughtful enough to get to bed on time so we get the rest that we need so we can get up and be a blessing, not a beast, to the people who are in uh, who are around us, our family members, our friends, our co-workers, so that we can bless them because we are rested. Now you hear all of that and you're like, what if I struggle with sleep, right? You're like, Marv, I get it. You're pushing pretty hard saying, get to bed, get to bed. But what if I get, I'm trying, but I cannot sleep. I'm struggling. Well, there's a couple things. First, you can see a doctor. God has blessed us with doctors and we're thankful even more than ever for our doctors who are working so hard in this time. But God has blessed us with doctors who we can go and see and ask and share what our struggle is and, and listen for what they prescribe and what they suggest, the wisdom that they share to help us get to sleep. There's also prayer. There's also prayer. Psalm 127 verse 2 says, He gets to his beloved sleep. You are God. We are God's beloved. One of my favorite words in scripture. It says that it says that God can knock you out. So you, we need to pray. He gives to his beloved sleep, asking him to help us get the rest that we need. Her thoughtfulness is also seen in her servant leadership. It says that her, she provides portions for her maiden. See this? This woman, she is like Jesus. She serves the servants. She could be like, you guys get up. You do this. You cook the food. But she's like, no. She gets up and she is the one who is working diligently so that she can provide. What you have here is a woman who is a good leader. She is a good leader. And she shows us, she models for us what all good leaders are to be. That we don't use and abuse the people who are under us, but that we are to serve and care for them. That we are, are called to be servant leaders, to look after and care for the people. That the people we lead should feel blessed by us and our leadership. They shouldn't dread it. She's a good leader. She's also strategic. Verse 16 says, she considers a field and, and buys it. With the fruit of her hand, she plants a vineyard. She considers. She's, she's, she wants to be strategic with the money that God has entrusted to her. And so she looks at this field. She considers it. She thinks about it. She says, she says, she calculates the value of it. What will it be worth now? What will it be worth in the future? There's no rush in her decision making. She shows us the importance of slowing down in decision-making. And, and this speaks to the single person who, who maybe just got asked out by someone or, 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 or in the future will be asked out by someone. You don't have to rush into that answer. You don't have to rush in uh, to, to any uh, sort of decision or maybe the person who's single and thinking about asking someone out. You don't have to rush into that. It's okay to slow down and to think about it and to, to ask questions to assess the situation and say, how will this decision to date this person, go out with this person, affect my future? How will it affect my present? How will it affect the people who I love and care about? 
How will it please God? Is, is, if I say yes or if I say no, will this be pleasing to God? Will, will this, will, is, is this decision that I'm about to make, is it wise according to what God has said in the ways that we are to relate to one another? It, she shows us that to, to stop and consider is a good thing. To stop and consider is not a sign of inaction. It's a sign that you are a person who wants to act with wisdom, that you want to take your time and make a wise choice. Here's another way that this applies to all of us. In this season, she shows us that we need to slow down and consider how to be strategic with this time. How can we need to ask ourselves, how can I be strategic in my spiritual growth? What, what do I need to do to continue to grow spiritually? How can I be strategic with my relationships? Yes, it's hard for me to see people. That is not easy, but, but how can I find a way to do that and to make sure that I'm maintaining and, 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 and strengthening my relationships? How can I be strategic in evangelism? What opportunities is God providing right now for me to share my faith and to spread the gospel? How can I be strategic with my physical and emotional health? Yes, we're home and and we're not we're not allowed to go to to work or just kind of go out to the malls and all that kind of stuff, but we shouldn't just kind of sit around on the couch and do nothing. We need to be physically active. We need to find ways to do that. We need to watch the way that we eat and to think about our physical health. I know some of us in our church, some people in our church own businesses. We need to ask the question, how can I be strategic right now with my business? How do I think and be creative so that when things, when the economy opens back up, I can hit the ground running? How can I be strategic with my kids? And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure that out right now. Just being honest as your pastor with four boys at home, Kim uh, working, which is, which is a good thing for us. It's just trying to figure out how can I get messages ready? How can I care for our church? How can I manage our home and teach the boys school and be patient with them? And, and every, but but I'm, we're, I'm asking and I'm challenging you to ask the question, how can I be strategic in my parenting right now? How can I be strategic in my personal development so I continue to grow? How can I be strategic in the area of prayer? This gift that God has given us to help us through this time. We need to ask these questions. And this lady shows us the, the wisdom in slowing down and thinking about these things. She takes her time and then she buys the field with a strategic plan in mind. John Kitchen, he says, she is not contented with simply being a land baroness. She wants her property to become a money-making venture yearly, not simply when it's resold. For this reason, she plants a vineyard. The money not only to purchase the land, but to cultivate the vineyard comes from her earnings. This diligent has paid off in a second-level business venture. And as she she takes those earnings and and reinvests them in, in, in the land and agriculture, she is strategic with what God has entrusted to her. And so it benefits her personally and it opens the door of more opportunities. And that's how we've got to think about it when we're trying to be strategic. This is going to benefit me personally. And and over time, it's going to open up more opportunities for me. She handles what is entrusted to her well. She's also a woman who is generous. Verse 20 says she opens her hand to the poor and reaches out her hand 
to the needy. She opens her hand to the poor. She reaches out her hand, it says. She, she gains a lot, but she's also willing to share a lot of it. She opens her hand. This is a woman who gets Ephesians 4.28, She says, which says that we are to labor doing honest work. We are to labor doing honest work, God says, so that we may have something to share with anyone in need. I am not just to labor and then look at all that comes in from it and just think about how I can use it on myself, the Bible says. Yes, I'm to be strategic and with what is, what is, what is brought in and, and look and, 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 and use it in a way to, to bless my, my family and to bless myself personally. Sure, I'm supposed to do those things. But, but God also says that I am to be thinking intentionally how I can use some of what I have made and share it with others. How can I use it to bless other people? We are called in the scriptures to labor well. It says do honest work, not dishonest work. We're called to labor well, but we're also called to share well. She is in a position to help, and she does not hesitate. Generosity is not optional for the people of God. And there's so many people who are struggling now financially, and they will struggle financially in the future as we continue to roll through this this challenging time. I know we're hearing that a lot, but it is a challenging time. But we can be people who help others. We can do this and we should do this. She shows us, this woman, that godliness and generosity, that those two things go hand in hand. She also does not fear tomorrow. This is a lady who does not fear tomorrow. Look at verse 25. It says, strength and dignity are her clothing and she laughs at the time to come. Her flesh may tempt her to be anxious. Satan may try to lie to her and tell her, you are going to be all alone in your troubles in the future. But she looks at her God and she laughs at the time to come. And the way we look at God is we go to the word and we hear him speak. We look and we're reminded of his character. And like this woman, we laugh at the times to come. Verse 30 says she is a woman who fears the Lord. See, she fears the Lord, which makes her fearless of the future. Because she fears the Lord, she fears nothing else. And fearing the Lord means she believes God is who he says he is. She believes the promises of God, and she believes God will fulfill his promises to her. She believes that she will never be alone because God is with her. I was at Jermaine Brown and Alethea Brown now, their wedding in February, and it was a nice wedding. Good food, good music. It was a, a nice time. If you know me, you know I, I'm into weddings. I love weddings. And this was a beautiful wedding. Just, it's just a really good day to celebrate with our friends. We're, we're grateful that God has brought them together. All the speeches were happening, and uh, you know, people are going and then Jermaine's mom gets up and she's talking about her son and how grateful she is that God's blessed him with a wife and how grateful she is for the day. And she talks a little bit about their family and she says, you know, it wasn't always easy, but, but, but we got through. And then she just drops some knowledge on everyone. She said, she said this, it blessed me. She says, you know, when God is with you, you can smile in the storm. 
She was honest. She said, sometimes our life, they're a ministry family. She said, sometimes our life was hard. It was tough. But she says, when God, you know, when God is with you, you can smile in the storm. And right now we're in this little storm and it is, it's a storm, but we know, we heard what Jermaine's mom said. She said, we can smile in the storm. Why? Because God is with us because he will care for us. Psalm 31 verses 14 to 15 says, I trust in you, Lord. I trust in you, Lord. I say, you are my God. My times are in, say it with me, your hands. My time are in your hands. Because our times are in the hands of God, we can be like this woman who looks to the future and she laughs. She smiles. She's fearless of the future because she knows who's in control. She knows whose hand she is in fearless like her we can be about the future here's one last thing i want to show you about this godly woman she spreads wisdom she spreads wisdom verse 26 says she opens her mouth with wisdom and the teaching of kindness is on her tongue when she speaks it benefits others it blesses the people who she hear who hears all of her instructions to her staff to her family to her friends all of it is motivated by love it says the teaching of kindness is on her tongue And this doesn't mean that she always says what people want to hear. What this tells us is that she's a woman who says and tells people what they need to hear. Jesus, he was like this as well. And in Mark 10, it says, as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up to him. So Jesus is about to go on this journey. A man ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, do not murder, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, all of these things I've kept from my youth. He's like, I've done them all, Jesus. I've done them all perfectly. And it says, and Jesus looked at him and loved him. He looked at him and he loved him and said to him, you lack this one thing. Go sell all that you have and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Jesus looks at him and it says he loved him and in loving him, he tells him what, not what he wants to hear, but what he needs to hear. Jesus looks at him, loves him and says, you're lacking some things. He tells him the truth. He speaks the truth in love. See, hearing what we need to hear sometimes can be hard. And the unbeliever needs to hear this. Like, because sometimes when we hear the gospel, it's hard. The unbeliever hears the gospel and like, it's hard because in hearing the gospel, first you have to hear the bad news, that we rebelled against God, that we sinned against God, that we are in need of help, that we need God's grace, that we cannot save ourselves. And that's hard for us to hear because it hits our pride. And it hits our pride. And when we hit our, it's sometimes when things hit our pride, our ears close. But we need to, the unbeliever, you need to hear. You can be humble. You can humble yourself and hear the hard thing. Hear the thing that is not easy to hear. Because when you listen well, unbeliever, when you listen well, non-Christian, what you're hearing sounds hard at first. And it is hard in some ways, but it's also filled with grace. Because along with it, if the gospel is shared well, you're also going to hear the good news. That even though we rebelled at Jesus, Jesus came, that he lived in our place, that he died in our place, and that when we place our faith in him, we can be rescued, we can be, we can be forgiven of our sin. And the unbeliever needs to hear that. This is sometimes the gospel is hard to hear, but we are we are being compassionate and loving. And when it's done with gentleness and respect, what is happening is you're hearing what you need 
to hear, not necessarily what you want to hear, but when it's done well with gentleness and respect and compassion and kindness, like this woman with a teaching of kindness, you will hear grace being offered to you. She shows us this woman, and this is how it applies to the Christian. This woman shows us how we are to speak, that we are to be people who speak with kindness on our tongue, that our words build people up, not tear them down. This sound advice that this mother gives to the son. She, she, this is sound advice. She says, here's what you need to look for in a wife. This is a woman who would make a good bride. She sets an example for all of us, men and women. What's interesting, though, is that this is not the bride that Jesus found when he came looking for his bride. She says he, the, the bride that he found was not always trustworthy like this woman is. The, the bride that Jesus found was not always thoughtful. The, the bride that Jesus found was some, is sometimes impulsive, that we're not always strategic. The bride Jesus found sometimes ignores the poor. The bride that Jesus found is sometimes crippled with fear, that we don't look at the future and laugh. We look at the future and we get filled with anxiety and worry. And the, the bride that Jesus found doesn't always spread wisdom. Sometimes we spread foolishness. And all we need to do is listen to the way we speak sometimes, the music we listen to, the movies that we watched. We, Jesus didn't find a perfect bride. He found a bride that needed work. He found a bride that needed transformation. He found us. But Jesus, in seeing this bride, that this bride that was so imperfect and needing of work, doesn't reject the bride. He says, come to me. And when we placed our faith in him, he started his work of transformation in us. And the spirit is working in us. And we, though some days it's hard to see the change, there is change going on. Jesus is working on you and you need to fill with, be filled with hope. We talked about this in the Philippians series, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. What God has started in us will get finished. And this godly woman, she sets an example for us to follow. And we can follow the example, not always perfectly, but we can do it because the spirit is in us. Verse 22 says her clothing is fine linen and purple. And when Jesus completes his work in us, this, this woman, she is dressed well. And when Jesus is finished with us, when his work in us that he has started comes to completion, we will be dressed in the finest clothes, the finest clothes. And watch this. Uh, it, I get this from Rev Revelation 19. It says, Then I heard what seemed to be a voice of great multitudes, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of a mighty peals of thunder crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God Almighty reigns. God Almighty reigns. When this was set down in Revelation in the first moments, and even in these moments, God Almighty reigns. We need to hold on to that every day. Let us rejoice and exalt and give him the glory, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. Watch this. And it was granted to her uh, to, to her to clothe herself with fine linen, fine linen. There's going to be a party at the end of the age, and we're going to be at that party, the bride of Christ, and we are going to be a well-dressed bride because of the work that he is doing in us. This woman gives us an example to follow, and through the Spirit's help, we can follow that example and live in a way that brings glory to God and live in a way that is filled with 
wisdom and we know that even though we don't always we're not going to do it all perfectly that Jesus has us he has us in his hand and the good work he started in us will come to be come to completion we are going to be that well-dressed bride well-dressed bride at the end of the age that when a, in, at a party that is going to go on forever if you agree with me say amen Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord God, for this word, for this godly woman, uh, Father, that we see in this text, this, this Proverbs 31 woman who sets a great example for us to follow. We thank you, Lord God, for the, the godly women you have brought to our church who, who love you and are living for you and are setting good examples for us. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to live in a way that glorifies you and brings you praise and honor at all times. Please help us, we pray. Thank you for the ladies in our life. Thank you, Lord God, for what you're doing in them and how you're using them. And God, what you're doing uh, in our church, we pray that we would trust you and hold on to you in these moments. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. For more resources or information about Hope Church, visit hopetorontonorth.com.